0: especially if you don't do it Jesus' way. And playing golf, uh, I've learned, I'm an old man. I'm 64 now. When I go to the golf and and I line up and I I figure out where I'm at, what I'm doing, there's a sweet spot on this club. And I'm guaranteed that if I come through square on that ball, that I promise you and hit it in the sweet spot, it won't go in the woods. It'll go right down the center of the fairway. My got drives don't go that far anymore, but uh, they used to. But I was sharing with one of our guys. I said, you know, there was this guy that come in. He was ripped, wasn't he, man? He, he looked like he could lift 500 pounds with each arm. And I said, you watch him when he first hits that ball. It's going to go exactly where your 200 went, right there in the woods. Now, watch it. And sure enough, he, he, he looked like he was going to crush that ball. He looks like he was going to drive that 400, 500 yards. And when he hit it, it went exactly where two or 300 others went, and right in the woods. Well, there is a sweet spot, and that's what we're looking at. That's what we started a couple of weeks ago. And I want to finish that today, hopefully, by sharing with you what a sweet spot is for the believer. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at what God's sweet spot is for your life and mine. In verse 7 of 1 Peter 4, we started last week. We said that the end of the world is coming. Wow. That's been quoted by Peter and Paul and so many others. Honey, would you go get me a glass of water? Thank you. She's a sweet lady. It says that, and that it's been predicted for years that Jesus is coming. Well, you can guarantee that Jesus is coming. He's coming to get his church, and uh, he's coming back. Well, he says here, therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. And we looked at that last time. Cheerfully share your home with those who have a, need a meal and who, those who may need a place to stay. Well, here's where we're going to camp a little while today in verse 10. God has given gifts to each of you from a great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak through God through uh, though God himself were speaking through you are you called to help others do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then God will give will be given glory in everything through Christ Jesus for all glory and power belong to him forever and ever amen it was Jesus who said and brings us pointed to what our sweet spot is in Jesus in Matthew 20. Listen to this. Jesus called the disciples together and said, "You know that in the world their kings are kings or kings are tyrants and officials lorded over the people beneath them. But among you it shall be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you first must be your servant." And whoever wants to be first or leader, thank you, among, let me start over there. And whoever wants to be first or chief leader must become a slave or a servant. For even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve. You see, Jesus didn't come so you could, uh, for him to to be served, he came to serve us. You see, Jesus is laying out the sweet spot for you and I. If we're not serving Jesus after salvation, then we're not following through the call not only to be saved, but our calling and our sweet spot for our life is to serve. Some of you have been coming to this church for years, and you come in, and you hear me preach, and you walk out, and that's about the last of it. Well, Jesus expects more than that, and you'll find that out at the judgment seat of Christ, when, you, when all of the rewards come up for those who claim to know Jesus, claim to be saved, and you're standing before him, and we find out that we're accountable for what we do. Just as these students found out that great teachers were great because you know why? The teachers served them. Great managers are great managers in companies because they're willing to serve their employees. You see, the more you serve, the greater you are in God's eyes for service really has nothing to do with your abilities or your talents or even your gifts. It's an attitude of your heart. Jesus had all of the heavenly gifts, but he came to serve. And my question for you today, are you serving your Jesus? Are you serving the Lord? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, the Bible tells us, I assure you, when you have served or given to the least of my brothers and sisters, you're doing it unto me. You see, we're not just to serve who we want to serve. We're not to collect and just hang out with people that are comfortable around us and who we want to be. We're supposed to be sought to a world and as a Christians to serve those that may be a less fortunate as you and I. Well, we know for last of all we were to do this with affection with love. And then, second of all, the Bible tells us in verse 10, we're to, in our sweet spot, it involves our abilities. Each of us have been given a gift. You can say that God gave each of us an unwrapped or a wrapped gift under the spiritual Christmas tree of life. When He implanted the Holy Spirit in you through salvation, He gave you a spiritual gift. And you and I have that gift. I have that gift. I have a gift. You have a gift. And if you don't use it, we're being disobedient. You see, within each of us, that the spiritual gift, you have to, to discover it. You have to know what it is God's given you. You know, verse 11 in 1 Peter 4, 10, or four eleven says this, Are you called to be a speaker? I'm going to tell you something. The last thing this old boy was, was a speaker. I didn't want to pray in public. I didn't want to talk in public. I didn't want to do anything in public. I was a private person. And then all of a sudden, God says, I want you to be a speaker. I want you to declare the truth. I want you to preach the gospel. And I said, Lord, come on. Isn't there something easier that can be done than that? People are going to judge me on what I say, what I don't say, how I say it, if I say it wrong. I'm going to get judged from here on out. And he said, that doesn't matter. I've called you. I want to use you. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to speak and declare the gospel. But you see, the problem is not that you guys don't have passions. It's not that you don't have different abilities or gifts it's not that that God has not endowed you but you the unwrapped gifts under the Christmas tree so to speak is what is killing God's house and God's kingdom today you have gifts or a gift that you've never unwrapped and God wants to use you God wants to use that gift and he's by the way holding you and I accountable for that gift and therefore, we will stand one day before Jesus and declare it. There was a man, he was a husband who walked in one night, and his, his wife was meeting him, at, meeting him at the door, and she said, uh, honey, do you know what today is? He said, I know exactly what today is. It's our 25th anniversary. She said, did you get me a gift? He said, well, sure, I got you a gift. Well, what kind of gift did you give me? He said, well, before I tell you, realize that it was something that took a lot of thought, something that was quite useful. It's very expensive, something you're going to need, and I think you'll like it. She could hardly wait until he finally said, what is it? I want to know what the gift is. She said, I bought you a burial plot in Harlem Memorial Park. It's the most exclusive cemetery in the city. I had to call in some very important people to get you in there. Your marker is solid bronzed, overlaid with 24 karat gold. The graves are kept immaculately. Your plot is in a very important and prominent place. She had to agree that at the present, that was a very thoughtful and very appropriate gift. One year later passed, and he came in sitting around the breakfast table. She said, do you know what today is? He said, yes, it's our 26th. Anniversary, She said, did you buy me a gift? And he looked at her and he said, buy you a gift? You didn't use the gift that I bought you last year. <laughs> you see, you're, many of you are walking around. God's already endowed you with a gift. He's already given you a spiritual gift. But you're not using the one that he gave you. And God expects you and I to use that gift. The Bible says, and he speaks to us, that he loves us, he cares about us, he gives us everything that we need to serve him. And, you know, yesterday, I was on the ball field, and it was the last day of the season. My little team, I love them to death, but I think, and I wasn't even aware, if we we won that game. Somebody says we won a game. Well... Yesterday, we played the number one team, and I already knew we were in trouble. But you see, in my mind, I'm a very competitive person. My little guys didn't even really know what the score ever was. Matter of fact, they asked me yesterday, did we win or did we lose? <laughs> and I thought, you won, and but we were getting hammered. And I knew if we could sk- score one point just one point, we wouldn't be skunk. And so we scored that point, and man, it was everything we could do to score that point. Well, the coach of the other team very graciously didn't say anything, but I knew what he was doing. He rearranged all of his players on the field. He put people that never had played pitcher, play a pitcher. He put people on first base that never played first base he had people all around and i could tell the whole team's face was utterly confused because they had played all year long in their sweet spot and i'm telling you they they that that's a powerful little team and and so and i keep hearing all the parents on the side that's a stacked team that team stacked no it wasn't stacked mine wasn't stacked for sure but they were all picked pre who the coaches were even going to be. The teams were already settled of what they were going to be before the coaches. We didn't know, and nobody knew, but just a few people, who ever did the evaluation. But one little team ended up being, my, I mean, tough stuff. Well, when they changed them all up out of their sweet spot, my little team started scoring runs. Now, I knew he wasn't going to keep them long and let me beat him. I knew better than that. But my little kids, my little kids, that were so, uh, they were so stressed out because of the heat, they couldn't get, they couldn't get to first base without getting thrown out. All of a sudden, they're starting to run around the bases. They're starting to score points. We went from one to six. I think we finished around seven or eight. They were so excited that they just scored points. Well, the coach, unselfishly, did that? He didn't have to do that. He could have kept that team in its sweet spot. He, he, but I could tell then, I go, you know what? These guys, my team can play pretty good when they're equaled up. And, and, but what I'm trying to say to you is some of you are not even using what God has given you. You see, the sweet spot is to do the will of God. What is the will of God? Jesus said, "I came to serve." The sweet spot is to serve. Man, I saw so many guys of the Damascus Road step up to the plate of the seniors to teach, uh to coach, and, and so many others. It was just the coolest year I don't think I've ever seen as good a working year together as I saw among all who and and, and nobody fussing. It was just it was just good. My little. I have one little girl named Annalie. When she went out in Wright Field, she didn't really want to go in right Field. I could tell that. But she had a little Cinderella crown on her head. But yesterday, it felt like 110. And she was out there looking at me, and she started, tears started coming down. I said, what's wrong, Annalie? She said, I'm burning up. I'm sweating. I'm, I'm dying. And she didn't want to be out there. And I could tell. You know, when you're put into position sometimes and it's not your sweet spot, you really don't want to be there. You really don't like what you're doing. And the cool thing about serving Jesus is wherever he puts you, that's the only thing he holds you accountable for in your giftedness in your spiritual gift. That doesn't mean we're not all supposed to witness. That doesn't mean we're not all supposed to live right. That doesn't mean that you and I are. are. But I, I like what I like about the Lord is that he recognizes what you and I are doing. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says, God is not unjust. He will never forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. You realize that some of you have the gift to help others, and you need to use it. You need to use it here. You need to use it wherever God's put you and and wherever he's placed you in, in serving him. You know, I realize every Sunday that the ushers often usher. Uh, people are counting money while I'm preaching. There's people changing diapers in the nursery. Right now, we've got people cooking for you to eat. Uh, lunch, and uh, so the youth can go on their, uh, have a fundraiser, go on their trip. There's people that that pray for this service. There's people that do all these things. There's the band that plays and, and the praise team that sings, and all of them do that so I can be in my sweet spot while they're in theirs. You see, it don't just happen. You don't just take a club and go to the driving range and automatically expect to hit balls 300 feet straight down the road without something going on in your life. It's called your sweet spot. It's serving and realizing that it takes effort. It sometimes takes training. It takes a lot of things in your life and mine. And I hope and pray that you realize That, first of all, you have a gift. And what is that gift? Number two, where are you using that gift? And number three, who am I serving? I learned a long time ago that when I serve people, I get disappointed. I get people who stab me in the back. I get people who lie about me. And you know what? Jesus has to take up all that junk. But there's one thing I realized, the person that I'm serving here is I serve people who need help, and I serve my Jesus. And I realize that that's so important. One time on a television talk show, a ripped bodybuilder came to the, featured on the program. When he came out, it was amazing how body built he was. It was amazing how strong he was. And his, as he began to flex his muscles and do all these wonderful things that, for me, long gone, have gone down the drain, the host looked at the guy and said, I wanna ask you a question. What do you do with those muscles? He thought for a minute, he tried to give an answer. She said, I really wanna know. I see you're so strong and you've taken all this time and effort to get to this point. But what are you doing with the muscles? He says, well, never really thought about it, but I just... I'm glad that didn't electrocute me. I just flex my arms. Basically, what I do... Is just show them off. I got news for you. There's enough people showboating today that the last thing you and I need to be doing for Jesus is showing off. You see, I know that I'm not the best preacher in the world. And I know I'm not the best servant in the world. I may not even be the best friend that you'd ever had in this world. But in my heart, I love you, and I really do care for you, and I care about you. But I realize not everybody's going to agree with me. Not everybody's going to teach the same thing that I teach or that the Bible, I think, is teaching. But you know what? If if we have Jesus in our heart, we're all going to be together in heaven. It's a good thing that he's going to straighten all of our feelings and our emotions and all of our ideologies and our quirks and all of our opinions out, and we're going to be perfect because so many people are walking around just showing off, showing out. God says in, through Paul in Galatians 1.15 that God in his grace chose me even before I was born, and he called me to serve him. If you're called to salvation, then you need to understand that you're being called to service. So that leads to three uh, three other questions I want to ask you. Where are you serving? Who are you serving? And when do you serve? You see, verse 8 tells us in in, uh, in chapter of uh, 1 Peter 4, most important of all, Show that deep love and compassion for one another. For serving is not just an action. It's an attitude of the heart. Man, you don't have to make people that are right with Jesus serve. You don't have to make people uh, do for him what he's already done for you and I. Well, then there's the third thing, and then we'll finish that. And that is when you and I are in our sweet spot, The Bible tells us in verse 12, I want you to look at it. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange, some strange thing has happened to you. Now, you've heard me say this through the years. I've learned firsthand bad things happen to good and godly people. Have you ever thought about this? If everybody thought that coming to Jesus and getting saved would mean I'd never go through any more problems, I'd never have any trials, I'd never go through any trouble, who in the world would not sign up? I mean, come on. Since I became a Christian, I've had situations in my heart and life, experiences that I've faced in life that have been difficult. It was difficult to preach the two little babies that died with me and Cindy. That was hard. That was difficult. But it was even more difficult to preach, even though I knew where my mom and dad were going, and both of them laying right before me. But it was kind of difficult preaching their sermons and their messages. And to to watch them just dwindle away. You know, I've, I've, I've preached Cindy's dad's, Funeral. And I, I, I can't tell you how many times that I've taught that man, but just to watch him and how much he loves Jesus. And I'd go over to his house, and, and he'd be reading the Bible, just studying God's Word. But you know what? There are some of you here today, like verse 13 says, instead of being very glad because trials will make you partners with Jesus in suffering... You're not sharing the joy or the glory of that Jesus shared and displayed to the world. You got your head down. You're mad at others. You're mad at somebody else. You're holding grudges. You can't forgive. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus didn't forgive for all that was done to him, what kind of shape would we be in? Where would we be today? Verse 19 says, so if you're suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. And trust yourself to the God who made you, for he will never fail you. You see, some of you are going to have possibly your children going the wrong direction. Some of you may experience a spouse walking out on you. Some of you may have checkbooks that just won't come up to balance. Some of you are going to get sick. You see, following Jesus doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay. It doesn't mean that everything in life is going to be perfect. You're going to face some tough times. That's why Peter said, don't think it's strange when trials, testings, problems come your way. You can still trust Jesus even in the midst of the greatest trial of your life. There was a man, young man, he was kind of a sickly looking man that he you got hired in of all places in a bar as a bartender. You say, Why in the world do you share such an illustration of this? Well just listen. The saloon owner gave the man a warning He said, drop everything and run for your life if you ever hear that Big John is on his way to town. The man worked for several months and didn't have any problems until finally one day a cow ham came rushing in shouting, Big John's coming! Big John's on his way! Well, he nearly (laughs) knocked down the little skinny bartender and, and as he was getting up trying to Get his wits. The bartender had a chance. He recovered a giant man, a big old black, bushy-haired guy walked in, and he was riding a buffalo and whipping the tail of a snake. He knocked the door, barroom doors down, and came in. And, and the little bartender was just shaking all over, and he says, Sir, can I help you? He said, Yeah, hey, I want a drink. So he grabbed the bottle, he bit the bottle and two off the top. He drank what was in the contents. He got up, he said, sir, he said, would you like another drink? He said, no, sir, I can't. He said, you don't understand. I got to hurry up and get out of here because Big John's coming. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may be looking at life right now and said, oh, man, it's so sweet. Everything's going my way. Everything is just being working out, and and things are so wonderful. But just let me tell you something. One day, Big John's going to show up. Some of you know what I mean because you've already been there. You've had that trial. You've had that trouble. You've had that major test come in your heart and come in your life. Well, all you got to do is just hang around long enough in life And Big John is going to show up. That problem that you just can't work out on your own. You need God Almighty to show up. You need the Holy Spirit to give you the power to face it. You see, I've learned that whether it's playing golf, coaching a team, whether it's pastoring a church, whether it's dealing with individuals on an everyday basis. Not only are you not always going to be happy, but they're not always going to be happy with you. But one person you want to make sure, next to your wife, you want to make sure, or your husband, that they're okay, and they won't always be okay, is the Lord Jesus. Now, again, if you have the gift And you do if you're saved. Have you unwrapped that spiritual gift so that you can be used and you can use that gift to serve Jesus? With your head back.